You're listening to the Longer Hall Youth Ministry Podcast with Jody Livingston and Chris Trent. Episode number 72. Welcome to the Longer Hall Youth Ministry Podcast, helping you survive and thrive in youth ministry. And now, your hosts, Jody Livingston and Chris Trent. Well, hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to the show today. Thanks for tuning in and listening wherever you are and wherever this finds you. Thanks for making this podcast today part of your day. If it's your first time checking out the show, welcome. We are glad you are here. And if you are coming back, well, welcome on back. If you enjoy the show, we would love for you to subscribe to the show so you make sure you get it each and every time it comes out. Share it with somebody you like, or I guess if you don't like the show, somebody you don't like. <laughs> and uh, make sure that you uh, listen to the very end on this one because it's a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. So what's going on, Jody? That's Jody Livingston doing the Marvelous little intro there. I'm Chris Trent. We're a couple of youth pastors in the Atlanta area. What do they call it? Is it the Met? It's, it's you know Dallas, Texas, and Fort Worth is the Metroplex. What is Atlanta? Is it the Metropolis? Say, I hear people say Metro what? Atlanta. That's what is I hear people Metro say. Metro Atlanta. Okay. I don't know what that means. Yeah, that works. I don't know. Yeah. Sounds. Well, we're not at the same church, but uh, we see each other every once in a while, in person. But most of the time, he's sitting in his living room. I'm sitting in mine right now. And uh, we still hang out with teenagers, so gearing up for for a lot this we, week, actually. So because we like them, yeah, man. Uh, you can find us all social media stuff at Jody Livingston, J O D Y, and at Chris Trent wherever that may land you. Twitter sphere, Instagrams, over on the Facebook at the Longer Hall, and of course the Super Secret Podcast Group on Facebook. Uh, all the links that we mentioned today and resources you can find on the show notes page, which is the longerhall.com slash episode 072. It's the longerhall.com slash episode 072. Also, uh, hey, uh, how about this? We haven't asked for this in a while. If you, if you really are genuinely enjoying the show, you can head over to iTunes or wherever and write and leave a review. We like those, right? You like those? Yeah. I mean, it would really be a help, you know, just in terms of like when people go on to iTunes and do a search for like youth ministry on our podcasts, you know, all that kind of stuff helps. And so, yeah, I mean, if you're willing to jump over there and give us a, give us a review, that'd be great. That'd be super helpful. Hey, you know what we have there, Jody, that I love? We have What's sponsors. That? We have a sponsor, we actually. <laughs> well, it's technically sponsors sponsor. because it's a whole bunch of people that work there that are awesome. And uh, these people here, and this is what I love about our sponsor. Sure, it's an organization. It's a ministry organization that does curriculum and camp and books and all that type of stuff. But what I really love is the fact that it's just this amazing group of people who love teenagers and want to point teenagers to Jesus. And they've been committed to that for a while now. But YM360 over at youthministry360.com, they've just got tons of great resources to help you out. Amazing curriculum, quiet time Devo type options, um, just some great, great stuff. So if you're looking for some of that stuff, man, check them out. We love them, and we use you and I both use a lot of their stuff. So it's yeah. good. And uh, you can save twenty percent by using the promo code 
longer haul just because you're you're special you're a listener of the longer haul podcast you think your podcast so uh, I don't know. You'll save twenty percent on camp. I don't think that applies. No, but everything else okay. probably. Yeah, that's yeah, good. Most things. Most percent longer haul. Use that promo code. It's good. Uh, right there. Hey, so today, man, amazing guest, amazing topic. Uh, you kind of came and said, "Hey, we need to have Walt Mueller on to talk about this topic today." What What was it about? Like, what What brought that about? Yeah. So you know what's interesting is Walt just put out an article and I actually posted it on our Facebook page um, called Be Soberly Minded um, or Reminded and he, he wrote this article after a lot of the stuff went down up at Willow Creek which is up in Chicago and Bill Hybels was the pastor there and they just go they've been going through a really hard time you know and this is this is not in any way in you know, us, you know, coming down on Bill Hybels or Willow Creek or any of that type of stuff. But because of some of the stuff they went through and some of the accusations that have been aimed towards Bill and even with some of the stuff that he, you know, he hasn't admitted to all of it by any means, but some of it he has in terms of just some of his poor choices with putting himself in compromising situations and stuff. Walt ended up writing this article and it's fabulous. And I tell you what, what, what hit me first, Jody, whenever I read the article was, and, and I actually pulled this book out the other day just to remind myself of this, but when I was 25 years old, so this would have been around 95, uh, a book came out called Finishing Strong by Steve Farrar. And in this book, um, Steve Farrar tells the story of John, that, that he heard John Bassanio uh, tell. Now, John Bassanio was, was the pastor at First Baptist Church of Houston, and he's, he, he passed away just this year. Uh, in August, he passed away. But he told the story and about his father-in-law telling him a story. So are you still tracking with me? It's a little, a couple layers here to this thing. So Steve Farrar is telling the story Steve Bassanio told that he really got from his father-in-law. Um, and his father-in-law basically pulled him aside at one point and he told him um, to be careful in ministry because it had been um, his experience over the years that only one in 10 that enter ministry um, stay strong uh, and, and to the very end and last to the very end. And John John had a really hard time uh, believing his father-in-law about that. Uh, his father-in-law was Dr. Paul Beck, by the way. And uh, he said that he left that meeting, that John Bassanio left that meeting, and he wrote down um, a whole bunch of names in his Bible. He wrote down 24 names of people, of his peers, that were also in ministry. And then what was crazy was Later on in life, uh, John Sonia looked back on that list at the age of 53, and he said that from time to time, and I'm reading this quote here, from time to time as the years have gone by, I've had to turn back to that page in my Bible and cross out a name. He said, I wrote down those names 24, he said, I wrote down those 24 names when I was just 20 years of age. 33 years later, there are only three names remaining of the wow. original 24. 
And dude, I read that story whenever I was 25 years old and, um, and now I'm 40, 48. And, um, and Jody, I know you like, I mean, you've got people over the years that you've known that have fallen due to moral failure or whatever, you know, and, um, and I've got that as well. And, and I've got the, I mean, just even recently stories that are coming out. And so when I read all that and heard all that, man, I I was like, you know, Walt, he's incredible. Walt Mueller, he's been doing this for a long time. You're going to hear a whole lot about him in the podcast. Um, and, but he, I was like, I'm just going to reach out. He's got his own podcast. That's amazing. It also, um, people started listening to that. I go, stop listening to ours. Cause it's, it's amazing. <laughs> um, but, uh, I just decided to reach out to him cause I had met him one thing and, um, and he said, yes. And I was very excited about that. And then Jody, no, no. I mean, let's be honest. Halfway through the podcast, you and I are texting each other while he's talking and going, this is unbelievable. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And uh, so, folks, if you're listening, here's what I would ask you. Because I know that it's a long one. And I know often if you're like me, you have to stop and listen, stop and listen, stop and listen. Every, around every corner, there's a new nugget of wisdom coming out of this podcast from Walt Mueller. And, folks, I'm telling you, this is one that you need to dig in and listen. We all need to hear this one. And uh, because Youth Minister for the Longer Haul, there's a whole lot of things that goes into that from from what we're talking about today, though, man. This is where it's at. Like, this is yeah. huge. Super important. Worth taking the time, digging into. Fellas, if you're listening, maybe even getting your wife to listen to and saying, hey, baby, I need you to help me. Ladies, if you're listening, putting up safeguards as well. And especially, man, if you're in your 20s, folks, listening to some of the the wisdom of a guy who's in his 60s, just talking about some of the safeguards that need to be there. So super huge, super important. I'm really pumped about it. Yeah, and I'll, I'll say this. Like, uh, I mean, we've, we've had a ton of episodes with a ton of um, – on a ton of topics, and I think they're all important. That's why we, we do them each week. If we didn't feel like that, we wouldn't we wouldn't have them. But this is one uh, one of the few that, in and of itself, could literally save your ministry. And um, and it's a make or break. It's a make or break. So uh, yeah, I hope I hope you'll listen intently and um, a few times even maybe maybe this is one you just keep in your back pocket and you pull out occasionally and re-listen to and and so it's it's super good make sure you listen to the end also because walt offers up a pretty sweet little giveaway at the end and so uh, you'll hear details on that as uh, as we come to a close with the interview so you ready ready let's do it cool all right here we go uh here's today's interview with walt mueller Pleased to bring you our feature presentation. Well, we are super excited to have on today's podcast Walt Mueller and uh, talk about uh, talk about the longer haul in youth ministry. Uh, Walt has been doing this for a while. I'll let him share that little story. Walt, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for joining us. 
Thank you, and, and thank you so much for reminding me how old I am. Yeah, you know, that's what we're here for. But, but to be fair, we're old, too. So. Yeah, it's like, oh, I just had this conversation. I just had a, I, I turned 62 last month. I, I don't feel it. You know, in my brain, I still feel 24, 25. My wife would say I'm much more immature than that. But it just happens. It's like you blink and boom, you're there. It's the weirdest thing. Yeah, that's 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 kind of wild. Um a matter of fact, I heard this morning that Rick Springfield turned uh, turned sixty nine today. Yeah, so, well, I was know. actually that's a name that I thought would never come up in my ears again. I was hoping, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I just thought I thought that was hilarious because like he was such a big deal when in the eighties when I was a kid. How old did he turn? Did you say he turned sixty nine today? Yeah. Sixty nine. Yeah, I hope he changed. Jesse's girl. Yeah, if you've not heard, if you're listening and you've not heard that. That song, you young whippersnappers, uh, give that one a listen. It's a good one. So, uh, Walt, thanks. Let, let's tell everybody who you are, man. So, you you have been you, you you've been doing this a little while for sure, and yeah. Um, and and honestly, and and this isn't an age joke, but even whenever I was in my twenties, um, I was using your resources um, when I first started out as a, as a youth pastor with my parents, uh, at, you know, in my youth group, and you've continued to do that. So could you give us a little background there? Let everybody kind of know where you come from because you 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 live and breathe youth ministry. Yeah, you want you want to hear the story of how I got to do yeah, what I did. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah. So so I, I I'll make it quick, but I came out of college in 1978 knowing I wanted to work with teenagers in some way, shape, or form. And I actually my design for my life, my plan for my life was to go to work at a boys' home. You know, like a Christian boys' home. And oh yeah. Uh, work with teenage boys who were delinquents or troubled. Uh, that was not my story, but that was where I really felt God was calling me. And then, you know, just the way God reroutes us, probably a month before I graduated, I was in the midst of interviews and with Boys Homes, and I uh, was being pushed by a guy who discipled me in college to join a campus ministry organization out of Pittsburgh called the Coalition for Christian Outreach, and just to get him off my back. He was really bugging me about this to the point where it was very annoying. I said, all right, I'll do an interview. I figured if I did the interview with this organization, I could then walk away from it and say, there, are you satisfied? Now I'm going to go work at a boys' home. And again, long story short, I took a job with him working in uh, Johnstown, Pennsylvania, Western Pennsylvania, on the campus of a University of Pittsburgh branch campus. I worked out of a local church there and worked halftime with it. You know, halftime, by the way, was 40 hours in each job, you know, 80 hours total. So uh, halftime with the youth uh, group there at the church and the other half up on campus. And that led to a call to do youth ministry. The other wonderful thing that came out of that was I met my wife, who was from Johnstown. And and then I, I felt like, okay, God's calling me to youth ministry for life. So I was doing that. And the way I got into doing what I'm doing now, this, again, was not my plan. It was not my aspiration. I never would have imagined doing what I'm doing now with the Center for Parent Youth Understanding. But in the mid-80s, you know, I was we were working very hard at this church outside of Philadelphia to minister to parents. And we wanted them to see us as their allies, as they fulfilled their responsibility as the primary nurturers, spiritual nurturers of their children and teens. And so we were fostering this relationship, which I think was a, was a good relationship. It was a healthy relationship. And as a result of that, a group of parents came to me, oh, mid to late eighties and said, Hey, we've got a problem. And I thought, Oh boy, what did I do now? You know, cause 
whenever parents come to you and you're in youth ministry and they say they have a problem, you know, that's, that's not a good, that's not a good situation. No, typically, it's, it's like, what did I do now? <laughs> and they say, well, it's not you this time. Um, it's us. <laughs> we're really out of touch with our kids. They're growing up in a world that's markedly different from our own. You know, MTV was a big deal back then, and kids were that was there were no smartphones or anything. And if kids wanted to engage with pop culture, that's where they went. And they knew their kids were watching this, engaging with it, listening to a lot of music. And this youth culture was really developing. They said, Can you help us understand our kids? You know, we know they didn't say it in this term. In these terms, but they said, hey, we, you know, we know we're to call to be cross-cultural missionaries. We don't get the culture. Can you help us understand it? And I was deeply intimidated by this because I loved being with their kids. They scared me in some ways. And I said, well, why are you asking me? And they said, well, you spend time with them. You seem to know their world. Uh, you're closer in age to them than we are. This was a long time ago. And, you know, just just help us understand. So I started to teach them on a weekly basis for about an hour a week on Sunday mornings over the course of three months, I talk about one aspect of youth culture. And I was amazed not only at their hunger, but how much this helped them. You know, they were now able to connect with their kids and have meaningful discussions about things like peer pressure, substance abuse, music and media, depression and suicide, you know, developmental factors, all these different things. And, and I I thought, man, the Lord is really doing something pretty amazing through this. It's not me. It's just giving this information. Well, I was a little concerned that the kids were going to bail on me because, you know, I was pulling back the curtain on their world to their parents. You know, how dare you? you, thought you were, <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Give it away. You know what? They appreciated it because they were now having these significant conversations with their parents that they desired, that they were made for, that they needed. And all that to say... You know, that just, it, God did something through that, not just in them, but in me. And I started to sense, much to my dismay, this call to leave local church youth ministry and do this full time. And I fought against it because I had raised my hand, you know, youth ministry for the long haul in the local church. And my wife, who, if you know her, she's just a perfect wife for me. She calls me out on anything I need to be called out on. She's direct. She's to the point. She basically said, look, you've been you've been toying with this thought that maybe God's calling you to help parents and, and, and help youth workers understand youth culture, doing that full time. You got to decide, are you doing it or not? And she said, I think the Lord's calling you to this. And so I said, all right. And I went through a long process of, you know, evaluation, which I won't go into here, but it became abundantly clear that this is what I needed to do. So it really was, you know, it was tw actually 29 years ago last month that we held a formation meeting for a board, you know, governed nonprofit to study youth culture that has become the Center for Parent Youth Understanding, which is what I've been doing. Now we're going into our 30th year. Hmm. And so that's the, that's the you know, the, the, the quick story. It may not have sounded so quick. But no, that's, that's a quick story on how we got to where we're at now. And so for the last almost 30 years now, we've been working to keep our finger on the pulse of youth culture. And it, because we know that anybody who's concerned about kids and wants to minister to kids, you know, who wants to point them to the truths of the gospel and see them follow Christ needs to, we need to see ourselves as cross-cultural missionaries, whether that's parents, youth pastors, pastors, educators, counselors, 
And so we're trying as hard as we can to, to keep our finger on the pulse of the youth culture. It's become a lot more difficult because youth culture is much more pervasive and widespread. And But we're working to do that. That's what CPYU, CPYU is all about. Those who may not be familiar with us can check us out at cpyu.org and see what that is. So, so we're trying to you know, help people bring the light of the unchanging light of God's word uh, to bear on a rapidly changing world. And that's really what we do. Yeah. Well, that, that is really great stuff there because, and, and that's what, what I've been using over the years and, and, and you've been a great resource to the youth pastors for a long time now. And, and at the end, we'll come back, we'll circle back here in a few minutes while towards the end and give you an opportunity really for our listeners to say, Hey, here are some things that you are currently offering that you can help youth pastors with. Um, so, so Walt, I appreciate you coming on, especially because of the topic we're about to cover. Um, and it's not necessarily a fun one today. You know, it's not like we're like, woohoo, let's talk about how to do great games in youth ministry. Um, it's kind of the opposite of that. Um, you recently wrote an article uh, on your blog there on cpyu.org uh, called Willow Creek Be Soberly Minded, and it was really tied to everything that Willow Creek has been going through and what Bill Hybels has, has gone through really in the last six months to a year. And the article served as a great reminder for me personally and and I just decided, you know, I said, hey, Jody, how about if we see if Walt will come on? And so I just reached out to you with the hopes that maybe you could come on and, and address some of this stuff. Because my guess is that, like Jody and I, you've over the years seen way too many friends, way too many, and heard way too many stories of even acquaintances, possibly, of, of youth pastors or pastors or ministry leaders that have fallen into some type of sin that has disqualified them. And, and so I think it's worth for our listeners just to do a little checkup today and kind of go, Hey, well, if you want to do ministry for the long haul, this is one area that we really need to make sure that we have, we have in check. So when you wrote that article, um, where, where did that come? What did that come out of Walt for you? Like what really stirred you enough to kind of say, I need to put some pen to paper here. Yeah. Yeah, and, and and I've written on these things and talked about these things before, and and like you said, there's really a couple of things at work. I mean, look, the thing at Willow Creek is high profile, and that really, that's not what I'm picking on, uh, and I'm not picking on that. I sparked some thoughts because, you know, I have, as you've said, had way too many friends in my 40 years now of doing youth ministry full time. I've had way too many friends, way too many people that are acquaintances and way too many stories that I read about. I just saw two this morning online, you know, when I was checking the news about youth pastors who were at various spots in sexual assault cases, inappropriate interactions with students in their ministry. These were criminal cases now, and I was reading about this and, you know, Google News this popped up, I guess, because of some of my interests in, in youth ministry. And, and every time I see these things, uh, the older I get, the less I take a posture of, you know, shame on you. How could you do that? You know, what were you thinking? Boy, I'm glad that this kind of things never crossed my mind, or I would never do this, or this would never happen to me. 
my posture has shift over, shifted over the years from that to one that's much more realistic, I think, as I have become more and more in touch with my own sin and, and brokenness, my own depravity, where I'm saying, there but for the grace of God go I. So at one level, there's a real concern that I have for myself, you know, like learn, um, you know, the, 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 the sobering warning, as I said in the title, the sobering reminder that this is who we are as human beings. And if this can happen to this guy or that guy or that woman over there, it certainly can happen to me because they're broken human beings like I am as well. So, so there's a concern about myself. There's a concern about how I conduct myself in ministry, you know, to not get tripped up, you know, as we're warned by Peter, be sober minded because, you know, your inner enemy, the devil prowls around like a lion, just ready to pounce. That is, that is a frightening image to me, and it's not one that I should take lightly or that I should breeze over as I'm reading the scriptures. So there's that, but there's also just the general health of the body of Christ. And, you know, there's a cultural thing as well, like why so many people getting wrapped up in this? So, you know, so like I'm in Pennsylvania, and I'm sure there's not a person listening who hasn't heard what's come out of Pennsylvania in the last couple of weeks regarding the grand jury report that's come out uh, as a result of some work from our state attorney general here regarding the Catholic church and the systemic abuse mm. and the pedophilia and things that have been going on, um, you know, here in Pennsylvania. So again, I'm not Roman Catholic, but I can't sit back and go, Oh, those doggone Catholics, you know, look at them. No, this is a human, human issue. And this is a brokenness issue. So this is where, it came from for me. And the reason I'm stating this with such length is that everybody who's listening has to realize don't wag a disapproving finger or nod your head in disapproval. This is you. This is me. And because of our shared humanity and our brokenness, and I, I would go a step further and say, you know, to you guys, just because of who we are and what we do in youth in ministry we're really targeted. If you talk about the enemy, oh yeah, yeah, the enemy doesn't want to take out those that are on the enemy's side. The enemy wants to take out those who are working aggressively to take out the enemy. You know, hundred percent. Yeah, Literally, one of the first things my pastor here, where I'm serving here at Johnson Ferry, after he hired me, one of the first things he said in his office was that very warning. Yeah, I'm just saying, Chris. My experience is that you're going to have a target, you know, on your back and you're going to have to be careful, you know, yeah, which is overwhelming. And I tell you what, 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 what rings true with all of this. And I agree with you, Walt, that especially agree with you that we have to be careful. It's not about pointing to Willow Creek or any other story that we've heard or any other pastor. Um, it's about saying, man, if that could happen to them. That could happen to me. And what terrifies me about that, you know, here and I, Jody, our heart, obviously, we call this thing the longer haul youth ministry podcast. We want to be in it for the long haul. And part of my part of what scares me to death is I love what I do. And not only do I love what I do as far as working for the church, my family loves the fact that we're in youth ministry and that we're serving at a church. And the idea that I could get caught up. It's terrifying to yeah. think that somehow, because it wouldn't just be me 
that would be affected. It would be literally my wife, my 18-year-old son, my, 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 my soon-to-be 15-year-old daughter. Um, I mean, just it's terrifying. Yeah, and you know, look, there's, I, I study culture, and people would say, you know, well, what does, it ha- what does this have to do with culture? Well, it's everything to do with culture and the people who study culture and ministry because there is a, I believe there's a culture in ministry in general and a culture in youth ministry that really lends itself to this. So, for example, in, in the world of youth ministry, think about what's happening in our culture related to family. You've got more and more kids you're ministering to who are not having their needs for relationship and love and guidance and direction met by mom and or dad. And, but they still have those needs. And here you are, a person who has entered into their lives, who has a relationship with them, and who maybe is providing uh, some of those things that are missing in the home. And I'm just citing like one specific example here for your kids who are struggling in the home. And it is very easy, like in counseling, they talk about transference, where, you know, a client will, will, you know, enter into a somehow, some way, and in, in, in their mind, an inappropriate attraction to or relationship to the counselor. I, look, we got to be honest, these are vulnerable kids. And it is very easy for them to look at us and, you know, and especially a lot for, for younger guys and gals in youth ministry, this, I think this happens. The older we get, I think it's still there, but they, you know, they're attracted to us. And, and let's be honest, we, we've always desired, we desire as human beings attention. We desire, you know, to get the pat on the back. And when somebody pays attention to us, you know, maybe even if things aren't going well in our other relationships where they should be going well, first and foremost, our marriage, it's easy for us to fall into this as well. And these things can can if we're not aware of this and our guard is down, you know the dart, the dart or the arrow can be out of the bow and into our chest before we know it. And what mm-hmm. we have to do is get to the point where we see the arrow in the bow being lifted up, and we're going to stop it right there because we don't want to have to notice this after we're in trouble. Say, oh my goodness, how did I get to this point? And this is where I think just being watchful is so important. So there's that. And I'm going to say this, for older guys in youth ministry, this just doesn't go with kids. This goes with the parents of the kids that we're working with, because I've heard those stories as well. And all you have to do is, look, if we are honest with ourselves and with each other, you know, just as a level of sexuality, God's made us to be sexual beings. God's made us to have sexual desires. God's made us to, you know, to things to be attractive to us. And we've got to manage this. And it's very, we're all tempted, but it's very easy to, to jump over that fine line of temptation. We need to know what the warning signs are and just not let that happen. You know, and I, I like what you said there, Chris, about the fallout, because this isn't just something, you know, that's going to affect me. You know, we can get that thought in, in our minds, but it's everyone and everything around us, not just now, but in our past ministries and in our future ministries, that all these things are going to tank. 
And my, I can share this. My, my good friend, Mark Penner, you probably know in our world of youth ministry, you know, Mark's been around a little bit longer than I have doing youth ministry. He, like me, is on the road a lot. And that adds an extra level of care and concern. So there's a lot of borders and boundaries we've, we have that we hold to that some people think, you know, well, that's pretty legalistic. No, it's not about you. It's about me and keeping protection. But Marv, years ago, and he, he, he went public with this a few years ago. That's why I can share it. I knew about this for a while. But Marv had actually written a letter to himself. And it said, Dear Marv, you're on the road. Um, you know, if you compromise your vow to your wife, here's what's going to happen. And that letter is just this lengthy list of thing after thing after thing after thing that will fall apart in his life that will come undone the thing that, that the things that he and his faithfulness to the Lord has worked so hard to build in ministry through obedience. And he packs that letter as every time he goes on the road, it's the last thing he puts on top of his clothes before he shuts his suitcase. And it's the first thing he sees when he gets to a hotel and opens it. Wow. And so that, you know, I mean, that's the kind of, and people are going, well, you know, isn't that, aren't you over it? No, I'm not. Look, if you know your brokenness, why did Jesus have to come? Because we're messed up. And if we think more highly of ourselves than we ought, we're not only allowing ourselves to be open to those temptations, those attacks, those arrows, but we're short selling what it was that Christ came for when he came to redeem us from our sin, because we can't do that ourselves. I mean, why do we need Jesus if we're not so horribly broken? So... I mean, this is, yeah, this is, these are the kinds of things that, that um, I think about a lot. I'm going to say this, you know, I have been blessed. I mentioned this before, but I've been blessed with a wife who's no nonsense. And, you know, a few years ago, some of us who have been in youth ministry for a long time, we talked about this, a bunch of guys, we, we were talking about this and said that, you know, one of the best gifts we've been given is a wife who isn't impressed by us. <laughs> she, she, you know, all of us would say this about our wife. They, they love us, but they're not impressed by us because when we become impressed, if you go, if you read the dynamics of the Willow Creek story, people gave in to things that they shouldn't have given into or advances they shouldn't have uh, allegedly, okay, um, advances that they shouldn't have responded to because they were enamored. And this is where, yeah, I, we, we, we can't be impressed by us. We can't even be impressed by ourselves, you know, and, and that's what a good wife will help us with. So hey, let's dig in there for a second with that wife thing. Walt, are you, when you say that your wife helps you with that, are you able to unpack that a little more? And what can our, say, say you're 27 years old listening right now. And we, we know that we've got a lot of younger guys starting out. What should we be asking our wives to do for us with that? And and obviously we have to be accountable to our own sin and our own struggles. But but that said, like what could we, um, what could we get them to do? Or or maybe it's even reverse for our ladies that are in youth ministry. Should our, well, should their husbands yeah. be helping out? You know, with that. Well, I I think I think part of it is that our tendency in ministry as as we move along. And maybe God blesses us with what people would call success. And then we start, and I wrote this in this piece I wrote on the blog, you know, don't believe your own press. It it really doesn't matter 
what others say about you. The, the, the flattery of others, I wrote, gets you nowhere good. Listen to the one who knows, loves, leads, and redeems you. And, and what I hear there is I hear I, you're, you're horribly broken, and yet you're horribly loved by me. And once we are redeemed, we're still broken, and we still battle the sin nature. And we can't be led to believe that that ends. And this is where I would say to the younger guys and gals in youth ministry, you know, ask your spouse to be painfully honest with you and to not hold you up and see you as something that you're not. But yeah, it's like in our family, we just say we're, we're a bunch of broken people living with a bunch of, bunch of broken people. Mm. And I don't need... My wife affirms me and she supports me. I've known that for the 36 years we've been married. I mean, she is the one who said, you know, look, stop fighting God on this call 30 years ago. You know this. And she's always been there to stand by me. But part of her standing by me is and loving me is loving me enough to tell me the truth. And many times that's the true truth about myself. And sometimes it's just a pain in the neck to hear it. You know, it's like, you know, it's hard. It's difficult. But I would say that that has been one of the tools God's used to keep me grounded. In many of these situations where guys are getting in trouble, that hasn't been present. And so, yeah, don't. She's not chipping away at me. She's just telling me the truth about myself. And she doesn't like I don't sit here and I'm not impressed by myself. And and it's. It, I'm not sure if that makes sense or not, but my no, I think so. Yeah, yeah. My calling is just keep doing what God's called you to do and do it the best you can, and realize you're not doing it anywhere near the level that God has called you to do it. So just keep striving to do it well, but realize your brokenness in the midst of this, and and don't get, do not get full of yourself. And I think that's a prayer we need to pray. God, surround me with people, whether it be in my family, with my spouse, with my children in my church, surround me with people who see me as I am and do not think too highly of me and who keep me grounded. Jody, I just want to go on record and say, I'm not impressed with you. <laughs> Thanks. You know, I hardly know either. I, I, you know, I'm just getting to know you two guys and I got to be honest, I'm not impressed with either of you. <laughs> <laughs> well, but you're Getting all Mueller. We're, we're like Christian and Jody Livingston and nobody even knows who we are. So, uh, <laughs> Well, I think too, like one of the reasons why why we were talking about so important to tackle this is I, I think even beyond kind of the fallout that even Chris is talking about, or we're talking about where it's like personal fallout, family fallout, obviously there are repercussions that ripple through the student ministry afterwards, the church afterwards. And and one of the things that I think we're seeing and hearing that I'm seeing and hearing so often now is almost any time a student pastor is leaving a position to go someplace else, it seems almost that many times the assumption is something happened. Or when a church is looking for a student pastor, they're looking for a student pastor because the previous student pastor or pastor left under some suspicious circumstances or something happened or were asked to leave. And so what I'm what scares me and what I, what is, man, I just, my heart just breaks and grieves is the, the posture almost now has become one that is so much 
slower even you know in the past i think maybe there there was a slowness to trust because no one stayed put and that's kind of why we are doing what we're doing we're trying to encourage uh youth pastors to stay put um and so you you had this revolving door so no one wanted to trust you because they didn't think you were going to stick around now there's still that present but you add to that now this just this whole thing of distrust from the sense of integrity moral bounds uh, and I, I think it it's just paralyzing to to student ministry. Yeah. And and just oh, it just breaks my heart. Well, you know, I, I do think and, and this is a cultural reality that we're living in a day and age right now where you say certain terms uh, to certain groups of people and immediately, uh, you know, an image comes to mind. So, you know, let's be honest. Um Right now, if you talk about the Roman Catholic Church, many people, the first thing they're going to think about is it's not going to be anything good that's come out of the church or anything positive that's being done by the church. It's what we read in the news. And it's the same thing when you talk about evangelical Christians. You know, that whole, it's tragic that the word evangelical has lost its meaning. People now think politics, they think hypocrisy. They think about these big scandals. You know, um, it, 30, 30 some years ago when I was in seminary, I was working on the North Shore of Boston in a hotel. I was the only Christian employee that I was aware of out of about 135 people in this old historic hotel. And people, you know, my coworkers would find out that I was a seminary student in an evangelical Protestant seminary, and they were very gracious to me. We had wonderful conversations. Nobody ostracized me, but this is back in the 1980s. And I'm going to tell you that when they found out, nine times out of ten, the first question they would ask after finding out and then kind of pausing in disbelief, you know, like, oh, and discomfort would be, um, they would say something like, what do you think about Jerry Falwell and Jim Baker and Pat Robertson and mm. Jimmy Swagger? Because that's their, that's their connect, Right. And it's always the it's always the stories, you know, that get the most press, which are typically negative stories uh, that that shape people's opinions. And I'm afraid you're right that our youth ministry world is is, you know, getting like this. And this is why I did a seminar. um, Tick Long asked me to do it probably four or five years ago at the National Youth Workers Convention called Wisdom for a Young Youth Worker. And one of the things I said to the young youth workers was. Never, ever forget that you were just one bad decision away from being a headline. Mm. And when I said it, I thought that's just so negative and so raw. And, you know, ultimately our behavior, our good behavior should be motivated by a great desire to, to thank God for his grace in our lives and bring glory to God. But the bottom line is at this point, you know, we got to, realize that we're sinful human beings, as I've said already. And, and I'll tell you what prompted that. When I put that seminar together, one of the last things I did, and you guys have done this, you know, when you teach, the last thing you do is you get your visuals, your graphics, you put your PowerPoint together. Oh, yeah. And I, I Google image searched youth pastor, or I can't remember oh, if it was youth pastor or youth worker. And I'm not kidding you, about a third to a half of the pictures that popped up were mug shots of youth who had gotten in trouble. And I just sat there and I stared at the screen and I thought, oh my goodness. So it's no wonder as you say that, you know, people are thinking this and, 
again, that may be unfair because you know it's a it's a smaller percentage of a large group that's that's you know marking us all and shaping these impressions. But I want to let those impressions shape me because that can raise my antenna to the kinds of things I need to watch out for in my own life. I mean, yeah, it's like it's like running down if you're jogging down a path in the dark. You want to know where the potholes are, where the sticks are, where the fallen branches and trees are, where the turns are. And this helps us know know what's ahead and just because we share that human nature. I, I hope that makes sense. But No, I think so. And I, I would say, too, like even beyond, I always tell young youth pastors this as well. It's, yeah, I mean, a, a horrible, bad decision can ruin everything. But even an accusation oh, yeah. will, will decimate you. So it doesn't even necessarily be that it doesn't necessarily have to mean that you actually do something. You could just put yourself in a really bad spot and be accused of something and you're done for. And so I think you just have to like, you just have to guard yourself. Yeah. And that's, and it's the it's, guarding part that seems to me to be such a challenge right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because I, yeah, because we, I feel like here's a, here's a weird illustration to think about it, but, but this is what's been bouncing around. I don't know who decided that painters that paint houses and stuff. I don't know who made the decision for them to wear white all the time, because to me, that makes no sense because (laughs) don't they know that they're painting and that they're, they're likely to get paint all over them as a result of that. Like what the heck who made it? There's probably some good reason why painters wear white. I probably need to Google that. But that said, I feel like as a youth pastor, that I'm wallowing around at times in yucky culture stuff. And it's hard not to get caught up in that stuff. The things we know our kids in order to be attentive to what they're going through, we have to be aware of this stuff. Um, and so we're exposed. Potential moments of failure exist in all of that. And, and I feel like we're just more in the middle of all of it at times. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, yeah. I, and I want to go back to not just that, but what was said before, because, you know, or, we were starting to talk there about borders and boundaries. Well, this won't be the first time that a, that a interview person has got me back on track. So uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this happens all the time. So the listeners are used to this. <laughs> up flip you know keep going on what you said there and spring off of that because you know there there is absolutely something to that because you start to see in the middle you've got to sort through the muck and say what is this and what in this can be you know am am i engaging with this in the right way so for example like with culture you know youth workers will say to me so you want me to go you know, read what they read, watch what they watch, and listen to what they listen to. And I say, yes, as long as you're able to do that. And everybody has a different line. But there's a huge, well, well, isn't that compromised? No, because there's a huge difference between, in, in, you know, engaging with something to understand what the narrative is that it's, that it's teaching kids or engaging with it to hear the narrative and believe the narrative and incorporate the narrative, allow the narrative to dictate how you live in your own life. There's a big difference between those two options. And, you know, it's like physicians, 
you know, you, you don't have to have cancer to operate on cancer, but you better have studied cancer. But at the same time, you don't want to study cancer and try to grab cancer and stick it in your own body in foolish ways and say, man, I hope this thing will take over me. I, I don't know if that metaphor, that analogy works, that illustration. But there, all I'm saying there is like when you engage with it, you know, you want to reach kids who are buying into that narrative. You want to understand the narrative so you can undo the narrative, so you can argue kids out of the narrative, but bring the light of the biblical narrative to bear on and correct where the cultural narrative needs to be corrected. So there is that kind of muddling around, if that makes sense, Chris. I, you know, yeah, it does. Pretty- well, you know, a, a recent example of that for me personally, Walt, was 13 Reasons. Yeah. Um, you know, that was a great for me personally. I'm not saying again, I'm not saying you should or shouldn't watch all of it every minute or not. I'm not, I'm not really making a judgment on anybody that has or hasn't. But for me personally, that was an example for me where like I felt like I needed to be exposed to that. I needed to understand what was being said in the culture related to that, because there's no question that our teenagers was watching it. But as I jumped into it personally, I decided, you know what? I don't have to watch every episode in this season to get the overall grasp of this thing. And so I was able to watch like, you know, my wife and I watched like the first, maybe one or two episodes on the front end. And then we watched the back end, you know, and kind of, and, and I felt like, you know, that's enough. <laughs> that's enough but for me personally. I was like, that's enough um, because I felt like I was wallowing around in the muck, you know, with that thing. And, uh, but man, what a big impact, but that, that to me is a personal example of kind of where I, you know, where I personally struggle and try to find balance. Yeah. But what? But but here's another thing that can come out of that: uh, depictions of human nature and the brokenness of human nature, even when not done from a Christian perspective, can inform us of our own brokenness and warn us about the consequences of our own brokenness if we decide to embrace and indulge that brokenness. And. You know, and this is where I think it's important to listen to some of these some of these stories. You know, um, I, Jody said before about you know borders and boundaries putting ourselves in bad situations, and there's some very practical lessons that we need to learn there as well. So, for example, you know, and I and I don't want to harp on the Willow Creek story. Much of what left me scratching my head about that was, you know, why if these accounts are true. Why in the first place was he having, uh, you know, someone, why was he and his wife having someone live in their home, allegedly, and then the wife and the kids go away and the two of them are left there alone? Or why would he invite them up to a hotel room? Or why this or why that? Getting yourself, don't get yourself in situations that are going to be difficult to run from. Don't even set up situations that indulge your brokenness, you know, where you think, oh, I can do, I can do this, but not go, go this far, but not go this far, if that all makes sense. And I don't know what was going through his mind, but this is where we have to hold each other accountable. So, you know, for example, a simple thing for me when I travel is I, I just say, hey, you know, I if, if it's a female youth worker and she says, hey, I'm going to pick you up at the airport, you know, when your flight gets in at 1130, you know what? Bring someone else along if you would. And this is not a criticism of you. It is basically, this is this is not about you. This is about me. And I know that when you say it's about me, it sounds so selfish, but <laughs> I want to have those safeguards there because A, there's the appearance and B, there's a the possibility that things could go 
way haywire. C, there's a possibility that, you know, someone could make up a story that's not even true. Um, I mean, there's all just all kinds of scenarios that could work themselves out. And well, the, and there's another part of that too, Walt. The D would be, if I could add a D to your list, yeah. it would be that if there ever was somebody that said something, uh, made an accusation, isn't it going to be a beautiful moment for you to be able to say, that's impossible because right. I never ride alone with yeah. another woman in yeah. the car other than my wife. Yeah. You know, and that to me as a youth pastor, I think if you're listening, that's a real practical hands-on kind of moment for you to be listening to. If there's not been somebody older than you speak into your life and say, you should never ride in the opposite, you know, ride alone in the car with opposite, you know, that's something you really probably ought to consider adding to your list there. And it's not because of them, it's because of you, you know, and just say, you know, safeguarding yourself. And because if ever there was an accusation to be able to say, I've, you can't find another, that's, I don't do that. You know, that's a, yeah. that's a real win. You know, when I was, it's interesting to have this conversation because this is how much the culture's changed. I think back to when I was doing youth ministry in 1978, starting in high school, middle school ministry. And I have a lot of friends who I'm still in touch with who were doing youth ministry then. And some of the names we know in the youth ministry world, you know, friends that we all have, they were doing it back then. And we have these conversations and I'm thinking, what foolishness we were involved in. I mean, like, for one, at one level, just some of the dangerous activities we involved kids in. So, like, I remember, you know, it'd be a snowy day in western Pennsylvania, and the kids would have off from school, and they'd say, hey, meet me down at so-and-so's house, and I'd tie a rope on the back of my car Sweet. and, yeah, attach, you know, big inner tubes to it and be pulling these kids down the road and plowing them into snowbanks and making them fly all over them. So I'm thinking, now... So that's what y'all do in snow. We're from the South. Well, we have no idea what you're talking about. What in the world was I, you know, like, and nobody questioned that, you know, parents like, yeah, take my kid, have some fun. Nobody ever said you're being foolish. Not only in today's world, are you being foolish? You're, you're a lawsuit waiting to happen. And so you got to think about that. But then, you know, the other thing was, it was not unusual for us in youth ministry back then yeah, I remember sitting out uh, outside of the church late one night after youth group with one of the girls from the youth group who was having guy problems. And she was lamenting, you know, I'll never get married. I'll never this, you know, and trying to affirm her that she was made in the image of God. And, you know, going through all the uh, just trying to encourage her and then, you know, letting her, you know, she called her parents and said, you know, I'm going to be home late. Walt will bring me home. And we never thought twice about that. And as I think back, there was never any anything duplicitous on my part that that you know was going through my head but man in today's world you can't do that look things have changed no doubt you know look I, I'm gonna tell you last week um, we all here at CPYU we all had to get fingerprinted and then we all have to go through a three-hour online course we have to pass on you know child abuse prevention and and that sort of thing i haven't taken it yet it's got to be done by the end of next week and i'm going to do this but everyone else has gone through it and this was required by our insurance company for for in order for us to carry liability insurance and i'm not working face to face with the same group of kids Uh, i'm never alone with kids anymore um i'll go speak to kids but it's always in a large group setting but this is just what's happened in our culture and the kinds of precautions that insurance companies are taking, because this is the ministry setting that we work in. And so, you know, again, it's not just to 
ensure that you're not going to get sued. It's This is all to ensure that you're going to glorify God through your behavior. You're going to make good, godly decisions. This isn't the way you conduct yourself with your students, with their parents, with other people. This is an act of worship. And, you know, just so we got to learn from it. Well, what would so, you say? Go ahead. Go ahead, Jody. Go ahead. I was going to say, so you, so let's say someone's listening. Maybe they've not really considered this or they're seeing all this happen, but they're not sure, you know, what to do. I mean, obviously you wrote about this some uh, in, in the post we've already mentioned, but like what are some practical steps or some advice yeah. that you would give them? Because I think, especially, I know for me, like even like you're saying, man, when you're, when I first started in youth ministry, I didn't know any better. You didn't think about it really. Um, it's not until you get a little older and especially further down the road, like now, you know, I think at a certain point you realize longevity is more than just not quitting, right? I mean, longevity is, uh, it's this kind of stuff as well. These things can absolutely derail, not just longevity in a, in a, in a church, but your ministry altogether. Um, and, and so for, for listeners who maybe are just starting to wrestle with this or, or haven't thought about it in a while, what would you yeah. What would you say? That's a, that's a great question. I, you know, one of the first things I would say is if, you know, you're listening to this and you're still tuned in and you're going, man, these guys, I can't, you know, this is so foreign to me. This would never happen to me or this is not me. That's the first indicator that you've got an issue. So if you, do, in other words, if you don't think this is an issue for you, wake up, it is. And, mm. I, you know, that's kind of the first sign of, of, the possibility of downfall is that you don't realize how broken you are and that you do have to have your guard up. So one of the things I said in that blog is, is what I say to youth workers all the time. And that is remember how messed up you really are. Um, you know, it's, it's your own brokenness. It's going to be the problem. And I wrote this, I said, if you think you're inherently good, you're setting yourself up to allow your inherent badness to ruin you. Yeah. You know, again, you're just one bad decision away from being a headline. So understand your brokenness and, and you know, you got it. You just have to have that realization. I think, too, what's most foundational and basic, and I wrote about this is, and I tell youth workers this, I tell kids this, I tell my own kids this all the time, fill your well with the word of God. You need to yeah. be rooted deeply. You need to have much to draw from and the reality is that with everything in life, including what we're talking about right now, our vision is horribly skewed unless we are viewing things through the corrective lens of God's word, a biblical world and life view. And it's, it is not until we immerse ourselves in God's word and allow God's spirit you know, to sanctify us and bring about change uh, that we're able to really discern good from evil, right from wrong. And so the more we immerse ourselves in God's word, I think the, the greater the ability we have to see things clearly. And and I and this is where to young youth workers, I would say, really listen hard and well to the older youth workers in your life because you're going to hear some seasoned wisdom that comes out of maybe some pretty bad decisions and realizations as a result of those decisions. You know, his, Francis Bacon said, histories make men wise, histories make women wise. Well, yeah, personal histories from other people in the church and in in our world of youth ministry will make us wise. So, you know, learn from that as well. But Phil and those people would always say, you know, 
I need I need my well to be filled. I I, I wasn't spending time in, in God's word. I lost my sense of discernment. Um, you ought to have accountability. And, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, and that, and 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 I know know of you well enough to know this. Walt, you're speaking more than just we're ta- we're not just talking about preparing a Bible study every week, right? Like we're talking about the yeah, I'm I'm preparing a Bible study every week to teach, but on top of that, I'm still walking with Jesus. Yeah, there's got to be that time personally in the word that's separate from I dug in to prepare a lesson. Right. Well, you know what's sad, Chris? And, and you know, this is a general statement, and I know it's not true for everybody, but I do think there's a growing number of youth workers who, you know, they're caught up in the busyness of youth ministry, and so they're not tending to their own spiritual growth, life, and development, as you just said. But I'm seeing fewer and fewer spending time and preparing even their lessons. Mm. Oh, yes. Other people's preparation, and they're working from that. And so now you've got a double whammy. Um, Because both those things should be shaping you. And now, if all you're doing is reading other people's scripts that they've written, um, there's, I mean, there's numerous issues at the level of that. I'm going to say that. But, you know, you lose your passion. But your own spiritual growth and development is is going to be stunted, you know, as well. Chris, I don't know if you know what Walt and I just became best friends. Yeah, well, and uh, and if you're listening, just hit the 15 second back button three times right now, or four times, and listen to all that Gosh. again. Dang, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, like, and people would say, "Well, come on, we've been using curriculum for years." Yeah, we have, but don't. And it's and and we can learn from what what others have done and the study of others. But I'm afraid that. With technology today, we've gotten to the point where we just don't prepare. We don't prepare ourselves, and we don't prepare. And, and you know, we, we just got done here today recording one of our Youth Culture Matters podcasts that will be out next week with a group of youth workers who do incredible planning that comes out of their study. And I asked them, you know, on this particular podcast, you know, to all the youth workers who are listening as we begin the school year, you know, the youth ministry year, what's gone into your planning? What's gone into your research? What's gone into your study? What do you have? What are you going to cover? And and these folks are deep and it grows out of their own, their own involvement in God's words. So that's mm. the important thing. Good stuff. You know, he, hey, here's another warning. And I wrote about this and that is that you've got to remind yourself that bigger is not better mm. because we, we buy into this view of youth ministry success. It, it's, it's like a business spreadsheet in the bottom line. And I love, you know, Rich Van Pelt, who's a youth ministry icon and a good friend. A couple of years ago, we got at a National Youth Workers Convention a Lifetime Achievement Award, which I, where Rich would tell you just felt so awkward for him to do that. And that's a sign of Rich's deep humility and his understanding of himself. But he served youth workers so well. And Mark Matlock, when he had him up on the stage, asked him, you know, Rich, what's one good bit of advice that you can pass on to youth workers that someone once gave to you? And Rich, I think without hesitation, said something I've heard him say before, which is so brilliant. He said that one of his mentors early on in youth ministry said, you take care of the depth of your ministry and let God take care of the breadth. Mm. And I'm just going to tell you that with social media right now and all these great tools at our hands, people are jockeying for attention. They're jockeying for the audience. They're jockeying to be big. They're jockeying for the platform. They're jockeying to be well known. And Please understand there's I mean, that's not a good thing because that will become primary. And 
what happens is you'll start to believe that you're really bigger and better than you really are. And when you start to do that, that's when you need to get yourself ready for a great fall. So and when I say great fall, I don't mean a good September, October, November. I'm talking about a bad downfall. And, you know, don't don't believe your own press. I mean, that's just the way it is. And, you know, I look, you guys with your podcasting, you're probably going to have, you know, as your following grows, you're going to have youth workers who come up to, you know, Chris, Jody, how can I do what you do? And the, the motivation is not so much. I'm going to make a general statement. The motivation is not so much to serve Christ and the church, but the motivation for this question is really, you know, how can I be bigger and better? You know, how can I developing a, a following in an audience? And, you know, how can we get tens and twenties of listeners as well? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Sorry. Hey, you know, that's 10 times what most people have. So that's, you know, that's 10 to 20 times. So, but yeah, I, you know, and, and I know you're being humble there, but you, you know what I'm saying? And I have these conversations with my friends um, at the, at the, when we speak at the conventions, you know, none of us get great joy out of that. I mean, that is hard work and a lot of preparation. It's difficult. It's tough. And, you know, I'm thankful for the opportunity to teach, but I know I get the opportunity to teach because God's brought me to that point where maybe there are some things I've learned that are worth passing on to others. And so I'll a lot of times have, you know, afterwards, and my buddies, the same thing. We lament this every single time we're at one of these things, you know, we'll go to dinner and we'll talk about, you know, I had three 23-year-old guys and four 25-year-old guys come up to me and go, how can I do what you do? And I'll say, what do you mean? How can I do what I do? You know, speak. And I mean, that's deeply troubling to me because there's typically it's, you know, well, it, you want to have an audience, right? I mean, I, and nobody's really willing to admit that, but maybe they are now. I don't know. But, you know, the thing that we always say is none of us aspired to this. It just happened. And, you know, like Rich said, you you take care of the depth of your ministry and let God take care of the breadth. And if that's 10, if that's 20, if you've got 200 kids, so be it. But don't buy into the thing that bigger is better because then you'll start to believe your own press. You'll be pursuing all the wrong things. And I'm going to tell you, I think at some of these big churches where these downfalls happen, one of the things you hear is that people say, well, I wasn't really willing to challenge the system or speak up because he had such a great ministry, or it would ruin the church. No, you know, what the what he was doing was ruining the church. Mm, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, we can yeah. talk about that forever. But yeah, again, yeah. learn from it. I'm not pointing fingers. I'm saying this could be all of us, and in some ways, yes. it is. Yeah, Walt. I want to honor. We want to honor your time, and we've been going a good while now. So I was wondering if we could wrap up with two things. Number one, I want to end with giving you an opportunity to really help our listeners kind of know where they can find you. But before we do, um, and this was this 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 is a little bit more of a challenging thought here. But if someone has listened that, that's listening right now, um, has maybe taken a few steps uh, down a road they know they shouldn't be on. You know, let's say somebody is listening and they've started flirting with compromising a little bit. Maybe that's through, you know, a struggle with technology, pornography, or maybe that's through a relationship flirting, whatever it might be. 
what would you say to that person? What, what, um, yeah. What direction would you point yeah. them in? Yeah. And, and by the way, that is a great question, but it's a difficult one to answer because every situation is different. And with everything, you know, are unique. Yep. But, but, you know, but, but, but I can attempt to answer it. And that would be this, that, you know, first thing is find some people who will hold you accountable. And I'm not talking about yes, people, those are not accountability people. Those are people who are complicit. You know, if we are looking for people who will say what we want them to say, you know, that's not good. I want people in my life who love me enough to tell me the truth. And sometimes that means going to someone who, you know, is really going to call you out and walk you through down the difficult road. But I think confession and repentance are important. And the process of repentance is a that is a long road. The process of restoration is a long road. So find somebody that might have to be a counselor and or it might involve a counselor. So that's that's, you know, one step to go. But the other I would say is this, that if you're dabbling in things that are the kind of things we're reading about in the paper or you're tempted towards that or that's an issue for you. Get out. Um, And that sounds so harsh, but just run get out, Um, pull yourself out of ministry and get some help because, you know, that's just tough stuff. And I know Marv's written about this, Mark Penner, Rich Van Pelt has written about this. And I appreciate the advice those guys give, you know, they do a thing called hope and healing for broken kids for us. And, and some of the stuff related to this, is that they, you know, say, man, if you're getting your finding your identity in kids and getting your jollies from being in relationships with kids, that's not where it's supposed to come from. And certainly you can cross some lines there. But if you're entering into some unethical things, you know, get out, step back. And it may be costly. It will be costly. But yeah, I'm not sure what to say yeah. beyond that. Well, Walt, thank you so much. I mean, I think we could talk forever. Um, we really appreciate you giving your time to come on today. And man, I know it's going to be helpful for the listeners and challenging to them. Um, if folks wanted to catch up sure. with you beyond this, where's the easiest place, well, yeah. the easiest way for them to Yeah, find the you? simplest thing is just go to our website. Uh, that's the gateway in everything that we do. And it's you can find it at cpyu.org, cpyu.org. And, you know, spend five or 10 minutes just tooling around there. There's a lot on there, a lot more than I'm even aware is there. And there's a lot of audio resources, podcasts. We do a daily one-minute radio spot. You can listen to that there. The blog's on there. And then we have a couple of little sites we birthed that deal with issues of one on sexual integrity, a sexual integrity initiative, a digital kids initiative on all things technology, college transition initiative on the movement from high school to college. We're all concerned about that. So, you know, spend a little time there to see what's there. And I will say that everything on there, for the most part, is absolutely free. And it's there for youth workers, uh, thanks to our donors. It's there for youth workers to pass on to parents. You don't have to ask for permission. Print it out, you know, email digital copies, whatever. uh, But make use of it. It's there for you. Super. Awesome. You do have some stuff that is also super helpful. I'm looking at at one of these right now. I'm going to put you on the spot here, Walt. Um, we love doing giveaways, man. You yeah. willing to give something away to our, our listeners? 
like I don't know, maybe like a million dollars or something like uh, that. Yeah, yeah, I got a box of paper clips here. I'm not using that. <laughs> clear my desk up. No, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna we're gonna give away uh, a copy. We we do. We have a new series of parent meetings. There's one that's in the bag. Two are in production. Uh, you know, post production right now. Um, you know, being edited and such. Uh, it's a series called Just Add Parents, and it's parent meetings. Uh, this is what got me into what I'm doing, informing parents and equipping parents. And so uh, we'll make available uh, the first one, which is on uh, kids and technology. I think it's called Raising Tech-Wise Kids. I don't have it in front of me right now. Te- tech-sensible parenting. Tech-sensible parenting. That's it. So we're going to make that available, and it's a simple way for youth workers to Bring parents together for anywhere from an, an hour to an hour and a half to two to three hours over the course of three weeks. And we give you all the content, all the video content, all the discussion questions. All you do is add parents and then hit play and facilitate discussion. And it's a great way for you to um, equip and educate parents uh, to do their job better. So we'll, we'll make that available. That's great. So, hey, folks, if you're listening, uh, go on to... The Super Secret Podcast group the uh, on Facebook, and uh, we'll have a post on there uh, where you can uh, make a comment and enter, and then we will do a drawing. You know, a couple weeks after this comes out, and uh, they'll send that to you. We'll make wanting those guys available or, or, or aware of that, and they'll send it to you. So it, it's great, man. And something like that is super helpful to you. We, we've talked in a recent podcast, man. If you're 27 year old, you, you know, if you're 27 years old and you're trying to teach parents and you don't have kids of your own and you're barely married or not married and something like this really adds validity. It helps bring, you know, bring you along in a way where it looks like you've really prepared well. And that's, that's a win. So I love this, this concept and this particular uh, resource. It's really good. Well, well, Walt, thanks again for coming on and giving your time. Man. I cannot tell you how much we appreciate it. And, uh, Keep doing well, what you're thanks. doing. I know Chris thanks and I both been. You guys are doing. You're helping old guys like me. So thanks for doing that. All right. Well, Walt, we will all, we'll catch you later then. Thank you. Well, there you have it. I mean, seriously, uh, an episode that that is a make or break. And um, so I hope you'll I hope you'll take all that you hear there uh, into. I, I mean. Take it that seriously. It, it's something that that is so easy to not, and and I think we're seeing the ramifications of that throughout. And we genuinely want to see you do this for a very very long time. And so, man, go back and listen again and again and again and again. So good, so good. I mean, yeah, it it, it was good. And 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 let's just say this as well, Judy, because and I think I can speak for you on this, man. Um, folks, if you're listening and you need to reach out to someone confidentially and talk through a couple things and you don't have anybody to do that with reach out to me or Jody. Yeah, sure. We can't Absolutely. solve all your problems, you know, necessarily. I mean, we're not like some kind of awesome gurus that just know everything or anything, but if you find yourself in a predicament and you just need to have a confidential, you know, now, obviously if you call us, I mean, just full disclosure here, if you called us and you were just doing something illegal or crazy, um, you know, we would be, I mean, that'd be something different. But I mean, I'm talking about like if you're just in a predicament where you're struggling with a certain sin or something where you need to drill down on this a little bit more and get some real specifics on, hey, what kind of safeguards should I put in my life? I mean, we'd be willing to help out with that. 
set up a time to talk to you on the phone or something. I would be. And I know, I know you would too, yeah. Jerry. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, man. Awesome. Cool. Also, uh, make sure you head over, subscribe to the show. So you get the episodes as they come out each week. We mentioned in the opener, uh, you know, man, we'd love for you to write and leave a review. If you've got a few minutes to do that, that's helpful for us and encouraging, uh, helpful for the show just in general, um, as well. Also head over and join the super secret podcast group. And, uh, you know, there's the giveaway there as well to jump in and, and snag that. So, yeah, man, uh, good stuff. And our friends good over stuff. at YM360, they're incredible. They're good. Yeah, check them out. Great YM360.com. Trust them. Good stuff. Use the promo code LONGERHALL. Save 20%. There it is. And I think that'll do it for today. Good times, man. Awesome. Thanks, Jerry. We'll catch you guys uh, in the next episode. Peace. Thanks for listening to the Longer Hall Youth Ministry Podcast at www.thelongerhall.com.